You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Start playing with some jam in here. Let's go. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Yes, it is. Episode 6 of Orange and Back Check. It is Scott Weinhardt across from me. I'm Bill Kornfeld. Well, how can I put this delicately? This was probably the most successful week the Flyers have ever had in about seven years. I, I don't think... There's many weeks like what they just had in terms of overall success. Scott, do you agree? Well, I mean, don't forget, two years ago they did win ten in a row, so but they, yeah, it's similar. But you know what? I'll, I'll be honest with you that what they did with winning ten in a row a couple years back, nothing compared to what they did this week for quite a few reasons. That ten game win streak they had a few years ago was probably the worst ten game win streak I've ever seen. I don't know how they pulled off some of the games they did. This week spoke volumes to me, watching them play, watching how they did things. There is so much to dive into the fact that before last week, we were talking five points to be a successful week. They went out and got all eight. How awesome is that? That's fantastic. And I love it. But there's so much to break down here from what happened this week. We had four awesome games at home against Carolina, at home against Montreal. Then they go on the road and play Toronto in a back-to-back against Boston, and they beat them all. And it doesn't matter how they did it. The fact that there are so many things that they did right, it's just a great thing to see. This team's fun to watch again. They're fun to watch. And that's it. That's that's what it all comes down to. Because I think what, and I think we'll get into this throughout the show, I think what will cause Flyers fans to jump on the bandwagon or casual fans to really jump on the bandwagon for this team is to have them not just winning hockey games, but having fun winning those hockey games. During the two, uh, late 2000s, early 2000s, when they were really contending for the Cup in that window, they were just fun to watch. They were... They were must-see TV, 82 games out of the season, plus the playoffs, obviously. You haven't had that in forever. And the fact that now you're under a new regime in AV, Alavigno, like it just it's just good to have them fun again, and the fans will come. A lot of people are wondering, should we jump on? Is this the team to watch? Or am I, am I, should, should I be as excited about this team as I am about the Eagles, the Sixers, Phillies? Absolutely you should be. I don't think there's any question about how fun the Flyers can be when they're winning games like this. And let me ask you this, Bill. All right, you, let's flash back to what we talked about last week. We told everybody to calm down. Everything was setting up. We were right. We were told you. 
Now, I pose a question to Mike Seleski. Do you really want to blow the team up now, Mike? Do you really want to <laughs> trade Giroux now, Mike? Do you really want to trade Voracek, Mike? Well, I mean, I still want to do that, but that's besides the point. The point <laughs> is, do you want to blow the damn thing up? Now, let, let's let's take a step back here. They, they won four games in a row. They swept the week against some pretty solid teams. We're not going out and saying they're winning the Stanley Cup this year. It's way too early to talk about that. It's there's, it's not even a conversation. But the point is, the way they responded since that disaster in Pittsburgh has been beyond brilliant because that is the coaching staff getting this team ready to play, shrugging off a bad loss, and turning that into their last six games, winning five out of them and having points in the last six so yeah there are people who are saying oh it was doom and gloom after that game we got to blow the whole thing up no you don't kiss my ass you don't need to blow anything up they're playing fantastic hockey and i think we should start breaking down by how it started out with that carolina game carolina is one of the best offensive teams for how they play hockey what they do is that they utilize their speed on the cycle so what they do is that they're not a team that's going to beat you down, really like wear down your defense with a strong forecheck. They use their speed to their advantage. A lot of crisscrossing off the rush, a lot of crisscrossing off the rush, a lot of board-to-board -board passes back and forth, guys from you know one guy in one circle, another one in the other, trying to zing passes across. The Flyers did an excellent job of – stopping that now you saw points in that game and i gotta give you credit bill because you were right i thought elliot was gonna start that game and they oh, were right back yes. to carter hart i gotta give you full credit for that they had points in the game where carolina where they dominated with the cycle but the flyers just stayed in the lanes they didn't let the passes get across sticks in the lanes making sure the puck's not getting there making sure their gap control was good um gap control is just the distance between a player and another player their gap control was great Matt Niskanen had a great game in that one. Uh, it, it, I mean, the shot blocking was on point. The lane blocking was huge. Joel Farabee is a stud after that game. After the goal he scored, just stayed with it the entire time. I mean, Carter Hart, that was his rebound game. You saw solid technique. You saw solid positioning. That was just an all-around good win for them. And that was really like, wow. Like, when I watched that game, I'm sitting there like, okay, like, Carolina is actually playing pretty decent hockey, but they had to the point where, where they had open shots and they weren't taking them because they were hesitating because they're not used to playing north-south like that. When they were getting confused, were not being able to really cycle the puck around and have more open shots, they didn't know what to do. So the Flyers did a really good job of playing team defense. The whole team committed to it. They had some really good chances off the rush, and that's how they scored goals. So, they all four lines contributed into that win, and that was a thing of beauty to see. Yeah, and staying on Carolina, what I think was a theme of what happened in Carolina that carried throughout this week is not only did they score early, they scored often. They got where they needed to be. They got... Well, and when we get to the Boston game, they t totally changed up. They, you, what you saw in the Boston game was totally different from the Carolina game, but the point was still the same. They got pucks in early, they got them deep, and they set up their offense, and then that's what resulted in an early first-period goal against Carolina, and then obviously you had three straight in the third period from Travis Konecki, Claude Giroux, and Joel Farabee, as you alluded to, 
Joel Farabee's goal was just a thing of beauty, and it's just, it's good to see the youth finally coming to fruition. Again, I still put Sean Couturier in that youth, despite his veteran leadership for this team. He's still very young for his age, despite being in the league since 2012. And it's just fun to see how good this youth really can be under the nice mix of veteran leadership that you're getting from the likes of Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek. And that's the huge thing about it is that this team is starting to come together as on their own. This team is starting to come together and starting to gel, and you're starting to see the potential that should have been there a long time ago. 100%. We can go back and we can talk about whether it was Hextall not wanting to commit to guys too soon or too early and let them develop, or we can talk about Hextall's ability to really develop players at the NHL level. Now, he granted, he had a great track record at North Dakota being able to bring up players and teams. He made the Frozen Four a bunch of times. Um, national Championship, I don't believe he ever won one, but he came close he to never, a couple yeah. times. Yeah. But he had an ability to make college players into the best in the nation. But he that doesn't because you're good at college. This isn't the NFL. This isn't the NBA. Because you're good in college in hockey does not mean that can translate to the NHL, which is why a lot of players go the junior route. The point being, we can go back and debate it all that we want, but the point is, is that this team is starting to show great signs of being able to really battle back when their backs are against the wall and and really show the potential that they're able to put the load on their shoulders and, and go for it. And that's the development that was really missing from this team for a couple of years now. You know, they they had that they, Sean Couturier scored a power play goal against the uh, against the Hurricanes. You know, and you got the young guys who are really doing the scoring after that. Travis Konecki leads the team in points. He's got 19. Oscar Lindblom's got 14. Both of them have eight goals. That's, I mean, the young guys are starting to take over. And it's, I'm curious to see, was it the willingness of Hextel not wanting to bring him up? Or was it the ability of Hextel really not to put these guys in a position to succeed? I lean towards more blaming Dave Hextel. Simply because you had the likes of people, as we alluded to, Oscar Lindblom. He even did it with Shane Gossespear a couple times, who, yes, he's struggling, but I don't think his his coaching or disciplinary reasoning, whatever it was, was effective for a guy like Ghost to bench him and put him in the, in, in the suite night in and night out every... I shouldn't even say night in, night out, but it was just like random points throughout the season that he decided, no, I don't think Shane has played very well two nights in a row, so I'm going to stick him up in the box whatever it may be. And he used that not just with Shane, as I alluded to, but with Oscar Lindblom. But even lost, uh, even with Oscar Lindblom, he, but it wasn't just going up into the suite to watch the game from the top, top row, but also just sending him back down to Lehigh to quote-unquote season. Clearly, we're seeing that Oscar Lindblom has been ready to play for at least the last season and a half, two seasons, if you can make the argument. But, like, it's just... Yes, you can criticize. I think what everyone is going to look at with Ron Hextall is the development of Carter Hart. Yes, it was the most difficult. It's the most difficult position to evaluate. You know firsthand. You're a goalie, but when you realize a talent that Carter Hart has, I think the earlier you get him up, the better. And that's what a detriment of Ron Hextall was, because everyone, as soon as he stepped in, as soon as Ron was fired. 
It was like two weeks later, Chuck Fletcher's calling up Carter Hart, and he takes the league by storm. Yeah, you know, and goaltending is a tricky thing. A reason why a lot of goalies aren't taking highs because they wind up playing for other teams. Like Jordan Bennington is a perfect example of that. I, I, he was drafted by, I don't know why Dallas is coming to my head, but I know he was drafted by another team and wound up in St. Louis, and, and now he's their starting goaltender and won a Stanley Cup last season. It happens. A lot of guys start with other teams, and they don't wind up getting you know going all the way through. I think that's been a problem for – Overall, the league are just microscoped in Philadelphia because we haven't had an elite goaltender in a long time. Um, but speaking of that, if you're talking about youth movement too, there's another young guy who has now got three goals in three games, starting with the Montreal game and Philip Myers. And that's a great thing to see because I'm going to be honest with you. Right now, even though he's only a couple games in, let's not blow things up or anything, but the point is is that he's outproducing, in my opinion, Shane Gossespierre. Ghost has got one goal, five assists, with six points through 17 games, and he's a minus five. So that's not exactly what you want, but Philip Myers in six games has three goals and assists and is a plus seven. So that's the offensive production you expect out of Shane. Now Philip Myers is the guy taking over those roles that that Ghost should be taking over. So Shane might be a little expendable here, but with that, I digress going off of that. Flashback to that game against Montreal, and he was clearly the best player in the entire game was Phil Myers. Yeah, it, defensively he had a goal. You know, and and uh, another thing, the biggest thing I could take out of this week, and really have to jump too far out, but the biggest thing I could take out of this week was that Montreal game. Because what happened in that Montreal game? They had a lot of opportunities on the power play, and they didn't convert. Carey mm-hmm. Price was brilliant. Okay? Sometimes you hit a hot goaltender. I've been saying it all along since we started this pod that Carey Price is the best goaltender in the league. His technique, his skating ability, he is so hard to score on. They had so many great chances with him, and it was a weird shot in overtime. And I can explain if I break it down. The shot went through a defender's legs, and that's a hard shot to pick up. You pick it up late, probably caught him right at the back end of the elbow and just slipped through. He got there, but just not quick enough. The point is, is that that was the, out of all these games, that was the biggest character win, and here's why. In years past, when the Flyers could not score on goaltenders, they would get frustrated. They would get flustered. They would try to shoot too much and miss the net and grip their stick a little too tight. I did not get one ounce of frustration out of that game. Maybe a little bit with the power play. I think they kind of pressed on the power play a little bit. But overall, during the game, when they were tied, when they went into overtime, I did not see this team say, oh, man, I can't believe we're not scoring. They just kept with it. And that's a character win that we have not seen out of this team in a long time. That was, in my, in my view, that was the most important one of the week. More so than Toronto, more so than Boston, because that was a win where years ago they would have closed up shop and said, hey, you know what, we're, you know, we just couldn't score tonight. And they found a way to score, and they found a way to score when it counted. I think that is a great analysis of how that was the best win of the week, but I think the best win of the week was last night against Boston, and here's why. They gave up a two-goal lead the third time in a row, ironically, and they've now had... 65 minutes of hockey in three straight games, plus a shootout in two of those three, which is crazy amount of hockey. 
But in the third period of last night's game in Boston, they turned to the guy in between the pipes. I don't think they've had the ability to turn to the guy in between the pipes like they did with Carter Hart Sunday night since Mike Layton. Like, it's been forever since they've been able to look at these guys and say, we are struggling right now. We have heavy legs. We were gripping our sticks really tight on Sunday night late in the third because it's a back-to-back and you're playing one of the best teams in hockey not just the hottest team, but one of the best teams in hockey in the NHL right now in the Boston Bruins. And Carter Hart, at the ripe young age of 21, not only bailed them out and got them out of the third into overtime, but did it by stopping the leading NHL goal scorer in Pasternak on a penalty shot and then turned them away. Let's take a step back. Let's not jump over a game because if you're making the point of where they turned to their goaltender, they did the same thing on Saturday night when they went to Elliott. Elliot, believe it or not, he saw 40 shots that game. It might have been a quiet 40 shots, but there was a couple one, couple saves in overtime he had to make that almost got through him. So, and and especially they had uh, with two minutes left in the game, I believe, that they rang one right off the crossbar underneath him. But Brian Brian Elliott, also another great performance this week. 38 saves. You can't ask your backup more to do that. Young guys kept scoring. Freddie Anderson had a couple great saves in that game. They had three chances in front, I think, sometime in the uh, in the second pe- or the third period, and uh, they just completely got shut down by him. I think it was the second period. But the point is, is that let's take out the fact that Mitch Marner got hurt in that game. He's going to be out four weeks now. Mm-hmm. They kept up with Toronto's pace, and they, they and Brian Elliott was able to shut down a high scoring offense. Your freshest player was last night against Boston when Carter Hart. Now, look, Phil Myers scored again last night, but let's look at this, too. The Flyers actually pretty much dominated those first two periods. They were all over. Carter Hart only saw 10 shots in the first two periods. He saw five in the first and five in the second. But in the third, when you're coming off a back-to-back and you're traveling and you have a two-goal lead, which is the absolute worst lead in hockey, it's the absolute worst. Once you get that one, it's just a matter of time for that other one comes. The Flyers in the third period, it wasn't so much that Boston was playing better. Boston's actually lost three in a row, including last night. They had a bad loss against Detroit. They had off to a rough start. That first period buried them. They tried to battle back. They couldn't. And then last night was their it was they had it was their third straight loss, but in that third period you could just see it. the Flyers just completely ran out of gas. They 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 were they were done. You're coming off traveling and then a back to back against one of the toughest teams in the league. I, I, Billy, I got to tell you, man, you're absolutely right. The fact that they turned to Carter Hart and Carter Hart just out of nowhere made I believe 17 saves in the third period. It was an unbelievable thing to see. I, you know, there's nothing like great goaltending, especially when it's your team. And there's nothing like great goaltending. I mean, you can get excited about goals going in, but in my view, maybe I'm biased. It's more fun when a goalie stops one that he shouldn't stop. That penalty shot, and let's take out after that on the penalty kill. He had that sliding cross save, I, I forget on who, and I, it might have been on, on Marshawn, and then another one off Pasternak again when he got packed into the other post. So late in that game with that penalty kill, it, it, Billy, it, it's a great thing to see. It's great to see this kid's got his confidence back. It's great to see that he's using his technique. He's using his, you know, he's using his skating ability. He's sliding around very well. He's keeping himself in good position. 
It's just fun to watch. And let's 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 recap this entire thing. How are they winning these games? Yeah. In the shootout. If, two years ago, not even two years ago, last year, if they, like I mentioned earlier, this was third game in a row this week that they went up to, and as you alluded to, it's the worst lead in hockey, and they gave it up. In the Hackstall era, those games are lost. There is no way they not just lose them. They don't even get a point out of that. They lose in regulation 100% of the time last year and the year before and the year before that under Dave Hackstall. The fact that AV has them winning these games and staying the course, they're not getting panicked, as you alluded to when they face a hot goaltender. And I have figured the way they started out against Boston, what you saw is a team that not only was obviously coming off a back-to-back, but a team that knew who they were going up against. So they just flung anything and everything that they could against Halak. And because of that, Halak got tested early and often. And as we've alluded to early on this podcast, the best thing for a goalie to get warmed up and stay hot is to face rubber. And when Halak was already turning away a ton of shots, I was so nervous that we were going to get the classic Philadelphia Flyers loss of having 37 to 45 shots on net. All of them turned away and they gave up and Carter Hart gives up like the two minutes left, three minutes left in that third period, and they lose one nothing. That had the makings of that early on in that first period, and then they completely proved me wrong going up 2 nothing early, and it was completely a different team. That's when I said to myself, this is different. This is where I can safely say this team is no longer under the pressures of Dave Hextall and Ron Hextall, and this is A.V. and Chuck Fletcher's team to lose. There is no question when we are talking on Monday night, Tuesday morning, in March, late February, we remember this week as the week that AV system took hold. Yeah, yeah. It maybe it even so, it may not just be the system. It's the fact that it's the buy-in. That's the bigger difference. It's not so yep. much technicality because they haven't made too many systemic adjustments since the Pittsburgh game. It's the buy-in. It's the fact that now Vigneault's got these guys playing at the level he needs them to play at, and it's not the fact that he's pushing it. It's the fact the players believe it. They know how good they can play. You never felt that under Hackstall that – you never really knew what they were doing. It looked kind of lost and just kind of grinded games out. Vigneault's got this team playing the way they know they can play, and the fact that they believe that they can play that way because now they're seeing results out of it. So this is a – I don't want to say it's a turning point because you're really not turning into anything because you're only 17 games in. The point is, though, is that this is a character. They had character wins this week. It's Montreal. And I would say Boston because they battled that one out. Those are character wins. This team now knows that they know what they need to do in order to win. And the young guys are just going to keep doing what they're doing. And it's going to be fun to watch them here. And the best timing of this ever is because you didn't have any distractions from the Eagles this week. They did it on a bye week. They did it on the bye week, which means, I'm not kidding, I was watching social media and everybody was tuned in because there was nothing else on. So 
you're seeing the positive reaction out of it now is that people are starting to say, oh, okay, well, they've just won four in a row. This is actually something we can watch now. I'm telling you, this team is different. This team is fun to watch. It's a blast. I can't wait to see what they do this week. So let's turn to this week. They jump right back in it on Wednesday night against the Washington Capitals. Just two years ago, the Stanley Cup champions, and they have that guy, little-known guy, just a smidge, from Russia, Alex Ovechkin. Who? Alex Ovechkin. Have you ever hear him? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I can never, <laughs> can never see a shot. I mean, look, Ovechkin's a clear-cut Hall of Famer. There's, there's no questioning that. Uh, the Flyers are going to be well-prepared for that patented one-timer off the left circle that he always puts home. You know what's coming. It's just so fast you can't stop it. It's a guaranteed goal. Oh, oh, nine times out of ten, believe it or not, the success rate on that is amazing. It's it's only it doesn't very rare does a goalie stop it, and sometimes he just doesn't hit it. But I mean, you know what's coming every time, and it, it just goes in. But the thing is about this week. Now, look, I'm not going to sit here and say, "Hey, they won four in a row. They're going to win all the games this week." I'm telling you right now. Now, I'm going to warn everybody, there's going to be a letdown game this week. There's going to be a game this week they probably should win, and they're not going to. And I can already tell you when it's going to be. Probably going to be against Ottawa. It's not a probably. It's a, it's a stone-cold lock that we're going to get that classic 3-2 loss against the sub-500 or whatever you want to call it team. And they'll probably beat Washington because of that. Yeah, and Washington, see, the Flyers have had good success against Washington in recent years. And Braden Holpe's not on to a good start this year right now, even though he's 8-1. He's got three losses in overtime or shootout. Um, his goals against average is ridiculously high. He's 3.25, and his save percentage is .898. So he's a sub-900 save percentage, and his goals against average is well over three. So that means is that... He's getting beat. He's not seeing a whole lot of shots, but he's getting beat on them. So he's seen so far in 13 games, 393 shots. He's allowed 40 goals in 13 games. So, you know, um, granted, Carter Hart's stats are kind of similar because he had those two bad losses against uh, Dallas and also against Edmonton, but it's early for stats. But the point is that's very uncharacteristic for Braden Holpe to have stats like that this early in the year. He's got Ilya Samsonov behind him now who's played pretty well. He's a coveted cup prospect from Russia. Um, so it'll be interesting. I don't know who to start in that game. I believe Holpe won their last one. They'll probably go back to him, but you'll see him again. So, But the thing is, is that they have a back-to-back again this week. They've got the back-to-back, I believe it's on Friday and Saturday. They have Ottawa at in Ottawa, and then they come back to face the Islanders in uh, in New York. Yep, so they have a, I wouldn't say a hard schedule. The Islanders give this team fits. The Islanders are a hard team to play against. Barry Trotz, again, has this team playing very, very good defensively. So uh, the Flyers already played them once this season, this season and lost 5-3. to three. And that was a game where even though they lost 5-3, to three, they weren't really in it any time after the first. So the Islanders are a team they need to beat. They that is a team where they could potentially see them in the postseason um, if they if they get that far. Um, that that's a team they really got to beat. They weren't really in it from the last game. Yeah, it was two one or it was a, what three two after one, uh, mm-hmm. but still they they weren't in that game after the first period. They got outworked. They can't get outworked at that time. Ottawa makes me a little nervous because while Ottawa. While they are in a bit of a rebuild, 
they do have some pretty decent talent right there. Uh, their team is pretty solid, I would say. Uh, they're they're young. They're inexperienced. Anders Nilsson, their goaltender, is actually having a pretty solid year. His save percentage is 930. His goals against average is a 2.66, but that's a really good save percentage, and he's played in eight games. Him and Craig Anderson are splitting the starts. I'll say this. If Anders Nilsson starts against the Flyers, that's going to be a tough game for them, but if they have Anderson, they, they might squeeze it out. So, But Ottawa's another team that always gives the Flyers trouble. They, just, they, they have a hard time against some of those teams, but... Let's take a step back and look at something different. This is a different team. This is a team of Flyers, ghosts of Flyers past since we're into the Christmas season now. But this is, you know, this this, this is a new team. So who knows? Am I saying they're going to get all six points this week? Chances are no. When you're playing with numbers, probably not. But at the same token, if they do have a good week, five out of six points, four out of six points, I'll give it, I'll allow it, because you're not going to win all 82 games. You already haven't. Well, the point is, is that the fact that they're coming off this week, there might be one letdown game, but I guarantee you, this team is now, dare I say it, dare I say it, I have a little drum roll here, this, the C word, the C word. What's the C word, Bill? Are you going to say what I think you're going to say? I mean, hopefully we're thinking of the same C word here. No, we definitely are. What's that? Contenders? No, Bill. You know, I should play you in Scrabble because I kick your ass at it. Oh. Consistent. Oh, yeah. That's a good one, too. They're consistent. They're not contenders. (laughs) Come on. There's 17 games into the season. There'll be 20 after this week. You're really a quarter of the way going to the season? Listen. Going to say they're contenders? Listen, a week ago we were talking about how people were saying blow up the team. I don't think it's that crazy to all of a sudden now, a week later, dub them contenders. That's the world we live in in Philadelphia. Uh, well, that world is ridiculous. So there's no reason <laughs> that they're, they are contenders as of yet. You are not even 20 games into an 82-game season. Let's wait until the end of December, early January, please, to start placing our bets on playoff bet, playoff rounds. Right. I think uh, we talked about how this week was the character win. It was the it was the character week, I should say. It was the week that we're, we'll say that they bought into the system. I think they're still, we're not, even if they win on Wednesday night against one of the best teams in hockey against, against Washington, it's not going to be like in 2017 with the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl that year was when it was kind of like Carolina was that Thursday night game when everyone was like, okay, this this team is a real contender. I think we're still waiting on that game or that week for the Flyers. And I don't think that's actually going to come this week. No, it's not going to happen because that's not how it works. You don't really you don't want to get hot at the wrong time. They're hot right now, but you you really don't want to be the hottest team in the league right now because then you start to lose steam when you really need it. Let's not compare this team to the Eagles of 2017. Last week everybody's saying doom and gloom, let's blow it up. Let's not get too high and say, hey, because we won four in a row, we're winning a Stanley Cup now. Let's just enjoy it. Let's just enjoy this team. Let's just enjoy the fact that, hey, they have points in six straight. Let's enjoy the fact they've won four in a row. Let's enjoy the fact that the youth is actually playing well. Let's enjoy the fact we have a goalie (laughs) so far. Let's just take a step back here and say, hey, let's, let's forget about all these expectations about where they may or may not go. And just understand this. This team is now fun to watch. They're fun to watch. And for me, anyway, I just think it's great. 
to actually have a fun team to watch again in the Wells Fargo Center because it's been too long since I can remember actually feeling as thrilled about a team that I do right now. It's actually, you can feel like, wow, man, like they're actually fun again. It's been too long since we've had that feeling. So let's just enjoy it. Let's see what happens this week. But like I said, be prepared if they have a letdown game. Let's not blow the team up because they lose to Ottawa, maybe. But let's just enjoy the fact that, hey, man, it's like going on a roller coaster. You can't stop it. Just enjoy the ride. Just enjoy it. On that note, I just want to get your quick prediction. Six points on the table this week. What are they getting? Four. I, I, I don't see this the way the league is now and the teams that they're playing. If they happen to beat Washington, if they happen to lose to Ottawa or the Islanders, it's not necessarily – yeah, it's a bad week per se, but it, it doesn't make a huge difference. I think that four is is more than acceptable this week. I am go- I'm showing you the hand number five, and here's why. Two of the three games are at home. They are the best team or one of the best teams in the NHL right now at home. I think they only have one loss on the season and one overtime uh, shootout loss. Like, this team is dominant at home no matter who the opponent is. I think it was Sam Karshidi that took a photo uh, of the, the crowd against Montreal this week, and there was, like, no one there when they won. I don't, and it clearly doesn't matter if whenever they show up, the crowd files in at some point. Two of these three, including Washington, are at home. Give me five points. They'll lose in over. They'll lose in overtime to Ottawa. Five out of six. Five out of six. Ooh, all right, all right. I'm going to say this. I am going to say, I'm going to flip it a little bit. I'm going to say they will beat Washington. I will say that I'm going to go on a limb and say they're going to beat Ottawa. I don't know about the Islanders. It might be too tough a defensive team right now to really say, hey, you know, they they get to toss up. All right. It's going to be a great week. It's a fun week again. It's It's going to be fun. fun. It's fun. Hockey is fun again in Philadelphia. (laughs) When's the last time you could say that? Hockey's fun again. It's awesome. That is going to do it for episode six of Orange and Backcheck. For Scott Weinhart, I'm Bill Kornfeld. Of course, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. We Scott showed me the preliminary photos for our Chalk Talk series. Oh my God, I can't wait for you all to see this. It's going to be awesome how this game is beautifully won, beautifully played. It's going to be a beautiful showing. Chalk Talk is coming. He showed me like 15 photos today. They looked incredible. Follow us on Facebook, like us on Twitter. All that good stuff. We'll talk to you next week. Hockey's fun again!